For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let's get this crowd going now. Come on, get him up, get him up, get him up! It's a snap. He's going to throw down the middle. The ball is caught! Hey, that's great football now! 35-40, down the far sideline. We got a fly, baby. He's still moving. He's going to go. Go on. Are you kidding me? Let's go! 20, 10, touchdown! Seahawks! It's the Seahawks podcast. I'm actor and super fan and 12 Brett Davern, joined as always by Seahawks all pro linebacking legend Lofa Tatupu. Lofa, you ready to do the show? Uh, not not only will I do that for you, coach, but well, yes, I'll do that for you. <laughs> a Bobby Boucher impression right off the bat. Wow, this is going to be a good one. On today's episode. It, <laughs> <laughs> On today's episode, we have our second guest of all time, Lofa, uh, th- the legendary Dick Fane of 950 KJR. We had his partner, Softy, last week. We've got him this week on the show. We'll cover, you know, the Seahawks, the draft. Uh, I don't know when Javion Clowney's going to sign, all kinds of stuff with him. But um, more importantly, also, like we did with Softy, get to know Dick Fane. Who is Dick Fane? Where did he come from? And how did he get to be who he is today? If you guys listening have questions for us or you want to join in the fun on the show, you can email us anytime. Our email address is seahawkspod at gmail.com. That's seahawkspod at gmail.com. And as always, I would remind you to hit the subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Okay, Lofa. Well, he's on the phone already. Dick Fane, everybody. <laughs> hey, guys. Brett, Lofa, thanks for having me, man. <laughs> oh, dude, I've been a listener right for on. such a long time. Like, I mean, if I was a caller, I'd say for long-time listener, first-time caller. But since you're on our show, I'll just say, you know, long-time listener, and thanks for coming on our show for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun. I mean, congratulations on getting this thing off the ground. It was really a, it was cool to uh, talk to Lofa on our, our radio show this past week and uh, promote your podcast. So, uh, you know, best of luck to you. I hate to start off this way, but I have a bone to pick and it's not necessarily with you, but it's with your partner. Oh, that's um, okay. I got lots of bones to pick with him. So far away. <laughs> well, I tried to pick this bone when he came on to our podcast and he didn't quite let me. He, he in fact doubled down Listen, you guys did a great job with Lofa on your show, but for me, my last name is pronounced Davern. Softy likes to pronounce it Davern. And then when he was on the podcast, he said that my first name should be Jerry. I, how do you handle working with this guy every day? <laughs> you know, you got to take, you only take a certain percentage of what he says seriously, and it's a very low percentage, <laughs> somewhere around uh-huh. 20 to 30%. And everything else, you just kind of have to chuckle at and let it go. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I Like I said, I've been a fan of you guys for a long time. KJR sent me a DVD copy of Coyote Ugly way back in the day. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I've been riding along with you guys for, for quite some time. Um, I, let's, let's start there, actually. How did you 
get involved with everything over there. And, and what's your story, Dick? Well, guys, I've been there for uh, 23 years now. Uh, amazingly, yes, I'm that old. So, so I'm just I just thought about that, man. That's half my life, man. I started when I was 23 years old at KJR, and I'm going to be 46 next month. So, uh, wow. half my life I've been at KJR, and basically, you know, I was one of those you know rare people that at like the age of five I already knew what I wanted to do with my life, which is almost unheard of. But you know, I had uh, at five years old. I would watch uh, the the Sonics games on TV and I'd have my little tape recorder and I'd call play by play with, you know, Gus passes to Jack, uh, hook shot up and in, you know, and, yes. and it was, you know, that's just the way I, I grew up. I always wanted to be, um, you know, you know, a play by play guy, which fortunately I've been able to do that the last 10 years with the storm. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've just always wanted to talk sports. And so going through high school, I had that in mind going through college. I had that in mind. So I did a lot of internships that were sports-based. I interned at uh, Cairo TV with uh, guys like Tony Ventrella and Tom Glasgow and, and those guys. I, in, I interned at Cairo Radio as well. And then just as I got out of college, I realized, okay, you did all these internships, went to school, graduated in four years, got good grades, and now what? You know, now, <laughs> right. now what am I going to do? So uh, right. the, the one contact that I'd made at the only sports radio station in Seattle at the time, KJR, was The Fisherman. You guys remember The Fisherman, Jeff Aaron, if you're a longtime listener. I remember. do not. That's before oh, my yeah. time. yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, The Fish. And uh, so I called him up and I said, man, I need a job. I just graduated from college and I got nothing. And he said, well, he goes, I can't guarantee a job, but uh, I can guarantee an internship. I like you. You know, I got a chance to meet him a lot of times. And so, uh, come on down and we'll, uh, we'll see about an internship. So I interned for about, I don't know, four or five months. And then little by little got little paid opportunities there, not paid very much, but, uh, paid opportunities there, part-time stuff. And I just kept, you know, doing what you're always told, told to do, right. Is just, just bug the heck out of the boss and yeah. give him tape, tapes of <laughs> updates and tapes of segments and, and leave him under his door. I mean, this is literally like cassette tapes left under his door, uh, oh, of his office. And, what are uh, those? Yeah, exactly. Well, what is exactly. that? And also that team, the Sonics that you mentioned. What is yeah. what is that? Well, yeah, and it was the oh. early, early versions of the Sonics oh, too. It wasn't man. even the Camp Payton Sonics. It was the uh, it was the Gus and DJ DJ Sonics that I learned how to be a play by play guy at the age of five and six years old. So that's and the rest is history, guys. I mean, I just yeah. you know you just keep working there. You keep uh, you know trying to trying to perfect, perfect your craft, which you'll never be able to do, but you just try to get better and better and, and say yes. I think that's probably what I did the best at when my twenties and thirties is say yes to, to every opportunity that comes your way. I feel so blessed. And I wonder how you feel about this. I was thinking about it the other day because Dick, I got to admit, I, I grew up doing kind of a very similar thing growing up there in Seattle. My dad would mute the TV and I would watch an older version of the Sonics. Um, but try to do my best Kevin Collaboral impression. impression. And uh, I, I just feel like we're so blessed in Seattle. We have such great play-by-play guys. You know, Dave Niehaus, Kevin, you know, Steve now doing the the Seahawks and even before him. Um, like, we're really lucky growing up with the yeah. sports broadcasters that we get to grow up with there in the Northwest. And I believe that's probably one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm, I'm doing is, is growing up and listen to, uh, you know, Bob Ron Robertson, uh, yeah. listen to Bob Blackburn, listen Rondo to Bob Rondo. Yeah. Absolutely. Like all those guys are legends to me. And it's, it's funny, like, you know, when I, when I got to be, in this position where I was, you know, going and interviewing people and meeting people in the sports world, you know, for most people, 
it's like, wow, what's it like to meet Lofa Tatupu? What's it like to meet Marcus Trufant? What's it like to meet Matt Hasselbeck? And it was cool to meet all those guys. But for me, it was like, God, when I met Dave Niehaus for the first time, I was like, oh my God, this is freaking Dave Niehaus. You know, so for me as a broadcaster, I mean, those were the, those were the legends even more so than the athletes. You, you, you visualized it at five years old. And along the way, what kind of things did you have to overcome to get to where you wanted to be? And then can you recount that first time you were going on air and was it, you know, what you pictured? Oh yeah. No, the first time, uh, we'll, we'll start there with the first time. Um, it's very funny because I was able to do some taped updates. The first time I was actually on the air, you know, I, I was telling you I was beating down the door of my boss and finally he said, okay, fine. What I'm going to have you do is, because I was doing the 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. shift on the board, right? I was running the board for the night show and then I was running the board for the, you know, the syndicated overnight show from, uh, from 10 to 1 a.m. He said, all right, so what I want you to do is I want you to record an update for 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and 5 a.m., right? Record five different updates, and we'll run them on the air, but they won't be live. I want you to make them good. Don't, you know, if you screw up, do it over again. You know, I want it and to is sound that, good. That, that's is that, like just sports headlines, scores, yeah, things like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like a minute and a half update of what happened in the sports world that night, you know, recapping mm-hmm. scores and stuff like that. And so I did that for, for a little while, and probably, I don't know, four or five months. And then he said, okay, I'll let you do the 10 PM, the 11 PM and the 12 AM. I'll let you do those live. So I got to do those live. And then I got a, I got a call, uh, from the boss. He said, Hey, we need somebody for this Saturday. I want you to do, you know, during a show, I want you to do updates from 12 PM to 3 PM. And it's going to be during, I think it was, I think it was the Clayton show. I actually think it was John Clayton show. Oh, when the sun was up this time. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I was like, okay, cool. And so all that week, man, I was just so nervous. Like the whole week I was nervous. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be doing updates on the, on the show. And the best thing that ever happened to me was Friday morning before I was supposed to go on the Saturday, I got a call like an hour before a show started. They said, Hey, so-and-so is sick. We need you to come in and do updates right now. Oh, So wow. it was like, so it was perfect because I literally was like, okay, drove in, wrote my script, got on the air. It was like, I didn't have enough time to be nervous. It was uh, just nice. like getting, it was like Lofa just getting it. Like if yeah. he's like third string linebacker and all of a sudden the top, top two linebackers go down and you're like, you're, it's your turn, man. You, you can't even be nervous. You just got to go in and play. So that was the best thing that happened to me. Cause I got through that day and I was like, I can do this, man. And so then that's the ne- I came in the next day on Saturday. I was like, no problem. Wasn't nervous at all. I was like, I'd already done this for five hours, you know, on a bigger <laughs> show on a Friday show. You know, I, right, I did it during right. Graz. I did it during Graz and Gas's show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a great story. And when was that? How long ago was that? That would have been 99-ish, something like that. So right, right around, uh, yeah, late 98, early 99, something like that. And I think, I think the, the biggest obstacle, Lofax asked about the obstacle, I think the biggest obstacle was just not paying attention to like finances, not paying attention to your career path financially because so many people when they're 22, 23, 24, they're like, all right, I got I to gotta get a job that makes money. Got to get a job that mm-hmm. makes money. You know, got to start making my money. And 
Uh, I'm just very thankful to my parents because my parents said, hey, listen, we want you to do what you want to do. We don't care you're making minimum wage at KJR working 20 hours a week. We want you to do what you want to do. So if this is your dream and this is what you want to do, then you come back in and live with us and save your money and you know live with us as long as you need to and to to accomplish what you want to accomplish and so i it was it was that was a blessing to me because it was hard for me to like my buddies are you know getting jobs you know at here and there and microsoft and all that sort of stuff and they're making good good money but 24 years of age and i'm making 6 bucks an hour and then i got to raise to 8 bucks an hour and then i'll never forget like i got a i got my first salary job and it was for $24,500 and i was like yeah i'm making real coin now man <laughs> and so you know this so that's yeah. just you just can't you, you can't worry about that but fortunately i was in the position where I didn't have to worry about that. And I know a lot of people out there just don't have that support that where they can go back in and move in with their parents and their parents can feed them, you know, and stuff yeah. like that when they're, when they're in their early twenties. So I was very, very blessed that I had and that it, situation. Have you gotten another raise since then or? Yeah, like one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I, tell, but- I would tell everybody, don't get into don't get into radio if you want to make a, a ton of money, but get into radio if you absolutely love doing it. And that's what I do. I, I never feel like I, I work a day in my life. So, I mean, that's the that's the trade-off. Well, you guys are on every day from three to seven. I mean, four hours of content daily. I mean, unless there's a game or something, some reason why it'd be a shortened show. But how do you do that? How do you come up with that content on a regular basis? to that extent. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Dave and I have a pretty good, uh, we've always had a really good back and forth. Oops, I, my phone just rang. Hang on. It's definitely softy. It is, <laughs> actually, you know what? It is It is softy, as a matter of fact. Hang <laughs> on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to text him really quick. I'm taping with Lofa and Brett. Don't bother me. <laughs> Lofa and Jerry. <laughs> and Jerry. <laughs> Even when he's not on the show, he's chiming in. It's amazing. I know, right? You can't leave True us alone. <laughs> no doubt. Okay. Good. There we go. So yeah. So Dave and I have got a, you know, we got a good rapport. Like, you know, he, he calls me all the time. We text all the time and just kind of like, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And we don't, we don't really talk about our opinions, you know, before the show, we just talk about, Hey, I want to touch on this. I want to touch on that. I want to touch on this. And then, you know, we get, you know, we get guests probably, we have three, three long segments, you know, or sometimes as many as four long segments that we have to fill. And usually, you know, usually those are a good time to have guests on. So, you know, Dave's really good about booking his own guests. I'll book some guests as well. Um, if I know them. So it's just, you know, it's, it's just a good, the, the time goes fast and it's really even gone fast during this COVID time. It's been amazing. I thought I was really worried about, Oh, would we have enough stuff, stuff to talk about? And really, our show is so Seahawks and Husky dominated anyway, even in the off season that we can still talk football, you know, sure. and because mm-hmm. football is still going full steam ahead. And uh, unlike some of the other sports, and it's not like we spend a lot of time, you know, breaking down what happened in the Mariners game the night before. Anyway, we didn't normally do that anyway. Speaking of opinions about stuff, what about, should we talk about the draft? Is uh, Sure. Because we actually did have some sports, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We did have some sports. And, you know, I, we were actually talking about this yesterday. I've got such a a better vibe surrounding this year's Seahawks draft than I had last year at this time around last year's. I mean, I always trust John and Pete, but I kind of felt like last year I was like, man, it just other than the DK pick, which we all knew was going to be a home run at the time, or we were all so excited about it. Other than that, I was like, 
man, there just seems like a lot of reaches. And, and I hope I hope this works out. And then this year, you know, it seems like the the valuations that we've gotten from scouts, from former coaches, from from people that really know their stuff about these guys seem so much more excited and positive about these guys that the Hawks drafted this year versus last year. I mean, you know, we get guys on to talk about LJ Collier last year. We get guys on to talk about like Rasheem Green the year before, and they're all like, yeah, you know, he's got some potential. He might be all right. And, you know, that's about as nice as as they could say it about him. Whereas this year we're getting guys on talking about Jordan Brooks and and Daryl Taylor. And these guys are like, dude, these guys are legit. I mean, Taylor could lead the team in sacks this year as a rookie. and, And I'm like, okay, cool. And so I just feel a lot better overall about the group than I did last year. Now I don't have an, I'm not as excited about one individual player as I was about DK last year. I mean, that was, I mean, we were just over the moon about what he could do and he was even probably better than we even thought he was going to be. So that was, you know, that's kind of a once in every five or 10 years draft pick you get in that guy. Let's talk about, because we talked with Softy last week a lot about DJ Dallas and Damian Lewis. Um, and someone that uh, even Lofa and I haven't touched on very much, but someone that I'm excited about is Colby Parkinson. I mean, what is he like? Oh, yeah. Six foot 11 or something? I mean, yeah. He's like eight, eight feet tall or something. You know, it's funny. I, we had him on this week and I asked him a question. I said, I said, Colby, this is going to sound really weird, but watching your highlight tape, I'm going to ask you this anyway. Do you like being covered? more than you like being uncovered and he kind of laughed and and the reason I asked him that is because I was like man every one of your touchdown catches you got dudes just blanketed all over you and you just go up and beast them and it really looks like a rebound in basketball it looks like he goes up he boxes guys out he's got it he uses his body really well and he's got great great hands and to me I mean Lofa could tell you more than I could about how that would translate to the NFL. But if you're big enough, which he obviously is to play in the NFL, he's strong enough to play in the NFL, and just that ability to turn his back to the defender and get between between the defender and the football, I mean, that seems like, you know, Lofa, that seems like a, a translatable quality for a receiver and a tight end. You, you, you nailed it. <clears throat> Doesn't need separation, right? And you're not going to get it yeah. at, the, at the highest level. Um, and he goes up and gets the ball, attacks it at the high point. And uh, yeah, six eight. Got to be excited about what he brings. Um, you line him up wide, you know, as as you know we did with Jimmy every now and then, and that's a mismatch. I don't care if you're going against their top corner or you know he's just going to muscle him. And then if it's a linebacker, you know he's going to jump over him. So definitely presents problems. And and like you said, the impressive part, I think, one drop catch and almost every highlight we saw was contested, and it was a one hand grab half the time. So. Um, definitely excited about what he brings. Yeah, no yeah. question. I mean, the one thing he's going to have to deal with, though, too, is like he's not he's not going against five nine, one hundred and sixty five pound corners from Oregon State anymore. I mean, and 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 he made a lot of his plays against five nine corners from Oregon State. So I mean, he's going to have to go up against some six two, two hundred and ten pound, you know, twenty seven year old men now. So it's going to be a little bit different. It'll take some time. I, mean, I don't think he's going to have a you know, 50 catch, 700 yard season right off the bat. Well, we've been talking a lot on the show, Dick, about like the Seahawks have a lot of tight ends now. <laughs> There's like 12 yeah. guys in that room. Do you see this as, as maybe, you know, they're going to go to more two tight end sets or, or 
you know, put some new things in the offense because that room is so deep now? Well, I mean, first of all, you guys like Luke Wilson and Jacob Hollister are going to have to fight their butts off to make the team. I mean, uh, that that's going to be because you're, you're not going to cut Will Disley. There's no question about that. You're not going to cut Colby Parkinson. You know, you're you're not going to cut Greg Olson. So there's, I mean, there's three right there that are definitely on the squad. And sometimes I'm, I'm trying to think. Sometimes you keep a fourth tight end, but I think what they can use, they can, they might be able to to bump like a, a Parkinson or a or a Sullivan and like call them a wide receiver and just keep them as an extra wide receiver. But it'll be really interesting to see how they balance those pass catchers out. What about Marshawn Lynch? Is he going to come back for another one? I mean, only if it's this, a similar situation as last year. I mean, last year was it was the perfect storm. I mean, you had a guy that that wanted to still play football for you. And Chris Carson and Rashad Penny go down. So it was just like absolute perfect fit. And hey, Penny's Penny's probably not going to start at the beginning of the year. I mean, John Schneider was on with us last week and told us, you know, he's not look, looking for Penny to start at the beginning of the season. And so that leaves you with Chris Carson and, and the two youngsters. And, you know, what if Chris Carson goes down? So, yeah, I mean, I would keep the door open if we see another situation where Chris Carson goes down for four or five weeks, I could see a 10 day contract for Marshawn Lynch that they just keep kind of sign him to, to short term, uh, you know, or, or a one year, you know, bonus heavy, you know, league minimum type contract just to kind of get you an insurance policy through the year. But, you know, I'm definitely under 50, 50, cause I just don't think Carson and Penny are both going to go down again this year. Is Carson, is he healthy? Is he ready to go? Yeah, Carson from all we hear is 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 ready to go. And, you know, it'll be interesting how the workload works with running backs this year because obviously they're they're not going to get nearly as much uh training camp as they normally are. It's a very injury prone uh position. So, I think you're going to have to be careful with running backs this year. I don't think we're going to see too many backs in those in that 250 carry uh range yeah. like your top backs are. I think you're going to see a lot more splitting time between two guys and having teams with two guys that are getting in that 150 to, to 175 carry range. And I think the Seahawks might be one of them. And it's time to see, hey, man, it's time to see what Rashad Penny can do because Chris Carson is probably not going to be a Seahawk after next year because I don't think you're going to spend a bunch of money on him. You've already got all these other running backs. So they got to see what they have in Penny and, and these two youngsters. I'm going to take Softy's advice from last week and ask this question this way because it it might be sensitive, uh, especially to a lot of 12s out there. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask it in a sort of a softy way. Um, a lot of people out there are questioning Marshawn Lynch's re- possible return and what that might mean for his legacy if it doesn't go so well. What would you say to those people, Dick? Yeah, I read uh, Larry Stone's piece in the Times a couple of days ago. He mentioned he mentioned that, and I, I think I think Marshawn's legacy is totally secure. I mean, I I don't think you know there was a comparison made to to Griffey coming back that last year after he had a good year with the Mariners, and then he came back for a second year and it didn't work out well, and he was striking out all the time and hitting two ten, and then he like takes off in a truck, and you know I just don't think Marshawn Lynch is gonna would get the opportunity to play all the time anyway. I mean, how many how many carries would Marshawn Lynch get in a game? Three, mm-hmm. four? I mean, so mm-hmm. like how could he possibly hurt his legacy if he's only carrying the ball four or five times a game, even if he was only getting one yard a carry? Uh, and I don't think the expectations are all that high of Marshawn, you know, between the 20s anyway. I mean, the expectation of Marshawn is what you can do inside the three-yard line, and he mm-hmm. proved last year he could still put the ball in the end zone inside the three-yard line. 
Well, and yeah. as a even as a lifelong Mariner fan, you even mentioning all that stuff about Griffey, I I, I had forgotten that already anyway. Yeah. So if if that rings true or is the same for Marshawn, I think you know he'll be just fine. Well, there was even when he was in Oakland, it was like he was on a pitch count, and I didn't understand it. Um, what they were doing, there were some games he averaged six, seven yards a carry, only got ten carries. Right. And you know, seventy yards and a touchdown. It's like, okay, why didn't he get more carries? And you know. I mean, he's nicknamed Beast Mode for a reason. I doubt he was even working out last year. Came off the couch, <laughs> literally, and, you know, scored, what, four touchdowns in three games? Uh, Including one where yeah. he's, like, jumping six feet over the pile, man. I don't remember yeah. seeing Marshawn do that very often five, no. six, seven years ago. He still yeah. got it. I, I hope they do. I Personally, I hope they do bring him back. He brings that element of toughness, you know, that um, – not that we've been lacking because Carson just fun has that. too. He's but just fun yeah, he, too. He's, he's just, just fun to watch. One right? of the ultimate Seattle sports personalities of all time, even right now. Just put him on the mountain or whatever. I love him. I hope he comes back. I it would be entertaining as hell. And you know, and I, I also hope for Marshawn. I'm 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 such a fan. I just you know, Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame, all of it. Mm-hmm. I just love him. And I I'll see him come back and do anything, whether that's just stand on the sidelines and dance and fire mm-hmm. up the crowd or score some touchdowns. Whatever he wants well, to do. Oh, and right. I think Marshawn. I think Marshawn knows that he's really close to the Hall of Fame. He's probably on the oh, outside yeah. looking in, but he's really close. So he knows, man. If he gets another, if he gets one more opportunity with a good team like the Seahawks, who knows? Maybe he's put in that opportunity, uh, put in that position where you know you're in an NFC Championship game and it's third and one with a minute left to go in the game at the one yard line. You know, that that one touchdown because the world is watching that wins yeah. an NFC championship game might be just enough to push him into the Hall of Fame. Would, yeah, would would that one make up for that other one that he didn't get a chance at? <laughs> there you go. I exactly. you that up, bro. <laughs> See, where, where I differ, I think he is a Hall of Famer. Um, mm-hmm. Most dominant, one of the most, if not the most dominant back of his era. And um, now do they make him wait? that that's probably more the question for me. You know, I don't, I don't know if he goes first ballot because of his relationship or lack thereof sometimes with the media, um, which I don't, you know, I don't think that's fair, but I don't know. You tell me Dick that, you know, does he, he, does he still have, you think he still has a lot of work to do to get that, that, that vote? I don't think he has a lot of work to do. Um, I just think, I don't know. It's it's looking up at the you know at the list ahead of him. There's still some guys that have more rushing yards that he does that are not yet in the Hall of Fame. But he's such a personality though too, and it's not like an adverse. He doesn't have like the adverse relationship that would that would keep him out like like a Terrell Owens. You know, Terrell Owens. You know, bitched and moaned all the time at the media, and it you know it, it was proven to hurt him in his hall of fame case for a long long time i don't I mean, think i, I yeah. don't think his marshawn's relationship with the media will hurt him in in getting in i just i just don't know if he's got i, mean, I hope you're right lof i'd love to see him in the, in the hall of fame and and you might be i think he's right there on the borderline and i think one more memorable play where he wins a big football it could have been last year if they hadn't had the freaking yeah. delay of game penalty it could have been yeah. right there to win a division yeah. title at the 1 yard line yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Well, regardless, Hall of Fame or not, I, are, the three of us are in agreement about the Ring of Honor, at least, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no question oh, yeah. about it. Yep. Okay. Uh, who's going to be backing up Russell Wilson this coming season? There's all that Cam Newton talk that was out there, and then that kind of died down. But what are they going to do? 
Man, they're they're gonna address it, but I think they'll address it probably like they usually do with the the you know a Geno Smith type guy. Um, uh-huh. And and I'm fine with that because I I just don't see the point in you know spending a bunch of money when you have a Russell Wilson. I don't see a bunch of point spending a bunch of money on a backup quarterback. Now, if this was a no salary cap league, and you know. Go ahead, get a really good backup quarterback and a big time insurance policy for Russell Wilson. But you know, spending five, six, seven million dollars now. I think what the Cowboys did with Dalton is brilliant because Dak A isn't Russell, and B he's not signed to a long term contract yet. So the Jerry Jones just made a power play right there and just said, "All right, dude, I got myself a pretty darn good quarterback that's gone twelve and four and has made the playoffs before. So you you still." If you're still asking for $40 million a year, you better show me this year you're a $40, $40 million quarterback. But the Seahawks aren't in that same uh, same situation. So bring Geno back at you know a couple, three million bucks a year and let's play ball. Well, I got one more for you here, and then I want to play a quick game with you, a All game right. that Lofa loves, by the way. So I know he's excited <laughs> over there. And uh, I don't know if you've ever played any games with you know, an all-pro linebacker before. I but, have not, actually. Yeah, this will be good. Buckle up that chin strap there, buddy. <laughs> but uh, well, I know you guys on the show, and Softy likes to do, you can only have one. I have one for you. All right. Um, you can only have one, Dick. The Huskies win one more national championship in football, obviously. Or the Seahawks win two more Super Bowls. You can only have oh, one. two to one. Ah, one to one would have been easy. I would have taken the Huskies, but uh, sure. two to one. And you're just talking about like in what time frame here? Are we in talking? your oh, in lifetime. My, oh, in my lifetime. In your wow. lifetime, the Huskies will win one more national championship or the Seahawks will win two more Super Bowls. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I think I think I'll go. I think I'll go with the Huskies. I think yeah? I'll still wow. go with the Huskies because the Huskies don't have. I mean, they have a national championship, but they have not won the national championship game before. They have not been – it has not been a situation where when the game is over, you know the Washington Huskies have just won the national championship because when we won it, it was – I thought it was very anticlimactic. As, as happy as I was when we kicked the crap out of Michigan that day, you still had to wait for the Orange Bowl that night. You still had to wait for the vote overnight. And then when the vote came back, you're like, okay, cool. We're, you know, we can claim the national championship, but there was still some disappointment in there too, because, you know, you still were a couple votes away from getting the unanimous national championship. So yeah, I, I want to see the Huskies win a national championship game and do it against a big time, not, you know, not one of these crazy years where some team out of nowhere happens to be against you. You know, beat freaking Alabama. You know, beat <laughs> yeah, beat a uh, beat LSU, beat uh, the best of the SEC in doing it. That would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Here, here. I mean, that was way back in '91. <laughs> I, I was pretty young, but you know, it's just amazing how much Seattle was just a husky, husky town, and still is, obviously, of course, to some extent. But then now with the Seahawks being good, it's so it's nice to root for two good football teams or two competitive oh, football abso- teams all the time. Absolutely. It's so nice. Absolutely, which you know, I always. I always make fun of, you know, the the Seahawks Twitter folks and the Husky Twitter folks that are just constantly, you know, hyper cynical and, you know, oh, this sucks. You know, we're going to we're not going to be any good this year, blah, blah, blah. When when only, 
you know, 10 and six and a road playoff win, like that's terrible. You know, like winning nine games in college football and, and going to a good bowl game, that's just a terrible season now. I mean, I, you know, those people are clearly not people that grew up in my lifetime with a whole lot of bad sports. So, you know, that we've, we definitely have been spoiled in the last, uh, you know, eight, nine years with both our Husky football and our Seahawks football. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You guys want to play a game? As long as it's not the Oklahoma drill, because I'm not playing that with Lofa. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you do the waiver. Even, it's going to be fine. <laughs> do they even do that anymore, Lofa? Are they are they allowed to still Oklahoma drill after practice? I mean, if they do, they just don't record it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It turned the man. tapes off, man. I would yeah, like to see happened. some of those recordings, though, right? I mean, right now, especially with some of those draft picks going after each other, that'd be kind of fun. We'll that's simulate it when you of- come up here, Brett. It's what drove me out of football, man. I was like, I was, I was five foot nine. Is like a fourteen year old freshman? I was like five nine, a buck forty. I was literally a noodle, but I could throw the, I could throw the football, and I could run a little bit. And so I played, I played quarterback on the freshman team, and we had these two old school nineteen, like grew, grew up in the nineteen fifties and coached in the nineteen seventies, just hard ass coaches right and they're like everybody one-on-one tackling drill i don't care what position you play and i'm going up against these you know linebackers in a freaking oklahoma drill and every every day after school i'm lying down on a flat back because i can't move i'm like this sucks dude i can't do this and now now here we are 25 years later and quarterbacks are just treated like princes i would have been like I could have played quarterback for a long time if they didn't touch me like they do now. (laughs) Lofa, was the Oklahoma drill your favorite part of practice or what? Oh, I loved it. But but (laughs) let's get serious. It doesn't simulate any part of the game. Very rarely do you get a funnel shot like that where – nobody's going to juke. No one, there's not going to be a spin move, anything. The running backs, they're not just going to run right into you. So um, very (laughs) unrealistic, and which is why (laughs) they probably did away with it. Yeah, but it looks great in movies. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like you got to have that scene in Rudy where you line him up against the guy way bigger than him. You have to (laughs) have that scene. Well, that was, I always picked the biggest guy because, you know, there's no losing in that. Even if you get ran over, you got a little tougher. Yeah, you got a little tougher. And, you know, in the event that you finally did win, when you, you know, you got a little stronger, you know, it just, you, you got those are some of the obstacles I had to overcome. And that's, See, that's the difference between Lofa and me. Or Lofa and, Lofa, and everybody else. And Lofa and me, because <laughs> yeah. I would try to pick I would try to pick the smallest cornerback out there on the other side, and I would still get run over by him. <laughs> well, hey, oh, let, all right, let's play our real game though, which is called Stop Me When You Know It. Um, but before we do that. Let me tell you about our sponsor. Head over to betonline.ag. Use our promo code MYPOD100. That's MYPOD100. Receive a welcome bonus for signing up from betonline.ag and start betting on things right now. Without any sports, you might think that there's nothing to bet on, but Bet Online has all kinds of stuff that you can place wagers on, including their online casino with a three-quarter million dollar poker series. Go to betonline.ag today. Bet Online, the fun never ends. Angie's list is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag. 
just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, so back with the game. Stop me when you know it. Now, Lofa, you've only been playing, well, against no one up until this point. So this is your first time going head-to-head with somebody. Yeah, it's been relatively easy. (laughs) Dick, the way the game is played is uh, I read you some stats and the bios of former Seahawk players, but I leave their name and a lot of the things that would give it away right away out of it. And okay. you just yell out stop when you know who it is, or Lofo yell out stop when he knows who it is. Whoever buzzes in first answers, and, uh, you know, I don't know, first one to three points or something. Away we go. All right, let's give it a shot. All right, this first guy was born June 19th, 1970, in Birmingham, Alabama. Played college football at Auburn. Was drafted in the fifth round by the Miami Dolphins Uh-oh. Go ahead, Lofa. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. Is it Chris Gray? Yes, it is Chris Gray. That's pretty good, man. That's a freaking pull right there. Wow. When you went Auburn, as soon as I heard fifth fifth round Miami, that's that's what you Wow, that was well done, Lofa. A.K.A. Big Hoss. Played in uh, 208 games, started 170 of them, played with the Seahawks from 1998 uh, to 2007 when he retired. And it was yeah, a teammate was of yours, right, Lofa? Absolute beast. Um, yeah, you know, I'm Chris Gray memories. Here, I'm over here worried about Hutch and Walt, and I look over the other side, and this other guy's just beating the hell out of me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, who's this dude? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Chris Gray, um, big, fast, strong, and just as, as tough as they come, man. You know, uh, love playing with Chris Gray. Can you imagine um, if they had transplanted that offensive line into 2019, 2020, and we had – our skill position oh, guys now with that offensive line, you can just forget about it. For real. Yeah, that's... yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. One point for Lofa. Here we go, Dick. You got to get on the board. Here we go. Yeah. Ready? All right. This next player was born March 11th, 1975 in Williamsburg, Virginia, but largely raised in Silver Spring, Michigan. He's the son of an NFL player who played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cowboys. This player played college football at Ohio State University Stop. and earned All-American. Stop. Mm-hmm. Sean Springs. Yep. Sean Springs it is. Boom. Nice. Dick's on the All board. Right. One to one. One to one. Good job. 40-inch vertical leap. Clocked at 4.35 in the 40 at the combine and was Ooh. drafted third overall by the Seahawks in 1997. And get this. Only one Pro Bowl selection for Sean Springs during his career, wow. which was in 1998, wow. after being the that. third overall pick in the draft. You didn't play with Sean, did you, Lofa? No. I think, what was his last year here? Two? Oh, two or oh, three? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't yeah, have I think I missed him by me. like a year or two. Dick, yeah, Sean got, Springs memories? Uh, yeah. Well, I remember he had a hole in his leg at the end of his career because his hamstring blew up. And then I remember... Mm-hmm. I remember Terrell Owens beating him on Monday Night Football and then taking the Sharpie out of his sock and ah. signing the ball. You know, those kind of like stood out to me. And I also remember like Sean Springs kind of laughing as T.O. was doing that. And I was I was kind of pissed off as a Seahawks fan. I was like, dude, you just got beat on Monday Night Football and now you're getting made fun of in the end zone and you're laughing about it? I'd be mad. <laughs> I think we'd, yeah, we'd have to fight over that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Lofa, I don't think Lofa would be laughing if some tight end beat him over the middle for a touchdown and then pulled the Sharpie out and signed the football. I was going to ask Lofa, what about that? When, when players celebrate in a way that might, you know, other, the other team takes exception to or something, how do you handle that? 
I mean, in terms of like just flat out disrespect, I mean, obviously, you know, you got to stop the guy from making the play, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, try to think back if there's that, I mean, that, that is pretty bad. You got to go knock the ball out of his hand, <laughs> do something. I'm not saying you got to yeah. fight him. Totally. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Next one. You both are, have one. Here we go. The next player born November 20th, 1971, played high school football at Bel Air High School in Bel Air, Ohio. He was an all-Ohio choice in basketball and won the state championship in both the 100 and 200-meter dashes while in high school. Played football at Ohio State and was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, eighth overall. Galloway? Yes, Joey Galloway. That's right. Eighth overall to the Seahawks, 1995, amassed the third most touchdown receptions in team history. Still holds that uh, position, by the way. I was kind of surprised to see that. Yeah. Um, Also is the NFL's career leader in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns among players who have not been selected to a Pro Bowl, which is... wow. Interesting yeah. and strange that Joey Galloway was never never selected to a Pro Bowl. Um, and Mike uh, Holmgren's still yeah. very proud. Mike Holmgren's still very proud he could get two two first round draft picks out, out of a holdout wide receiver. That's that's a pretty good deal, man. That's that's probably Mike Holmgren's best deal as a general manager. How did you feel, Dick? I remember when they drafted Joey Galloway because you know taking a wide receiver that high in the draft as a fan, you just get super pumped and excited, and especially with how fast he was and all that kind of stuff. How excited were you when they drafted him? Oh, I was super excited. I mean, I've, yeah. you know, I think the Seahawks have have really lacked for for a lot of our history. You know, lacked that you know that big time speed guy that's also a special teams type guy. And uh, I'd really love to see them get get that back. I wanted to see them get it in the uh, in the draft this year. I'd love to see them get like kind of an electric you know, kick returner type guy that can also serve as a, as a third wide receiver. I mean, Tyler Lockett was kind of that way, you know, four or five Mm -hmm. years ago, but he's more of just a pure, you know, pure wide receiver route runner now. And I don't really want to see Tyler Lockett get smeared in the, in the kickoff game anymore. Yeah. It must be part of the reason they went out and drafted Swain too, to take, take some of that pressure off of uh, well, the mm-hmm. whole team in general, because like you said, they're not sending Tyler back there anymore in the kick return game, but it looks like this kid Swain from Florida could do that. Yeah, that's the plan, I think. I mean, I really think that's the plan is, is he's going to be your punt returner. Yeah. Uh, next one here, guys. Lofa's on the board with two. Dick's on with one. Uh-oh, here we go. This player no was born May 18th, 1965 in Amity, Louisiana. 6'1", 218 pounds, played college ball at Southern. Undrafted in 1988, signed with the Seahawks as an undrafted free agent in 1988, and would go on to make two Pro Bowls and one All-Pro in his time with our Hawks. Also is a member of the Seahawks' 35th anniversary team and finished his career with 41 sacks, three interceptions in 135 games. Any guesses? Holy smokes. I, uh, I don't stop. Even... I'm going to go Michael Sinclair. Mm, I'm sorry, sir. You'd be wrong, but it's a good guess. Uh... Lofa, do you have a guess? What, what position? Do we even get a position? Mm-mm. No. We did not get a position. Because 218 pounds? Oh, uh, yeah. Defense. Michael Sinclair is not 218 pounds. Yeah, that's what I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what's, 46 sacks. Well, it's got to be a corner, right? I, mm, I mean... Let me know if you give up. <sighs> Damn. Undrafted. Yeah. 1988. A ways back. He made an all pro or just pro bowl? 
two Pro Bowls and one All Pro. Well, I'm embarrassed that we don't know this. Yeah, Lopa. I am too. You guys call Gene Uncle Robinson? Yet? Ooh, good Ooh, guess. No, that's a good nope. guess. Oh, that's a good guess, though. It's Rufus Porter. Ah. Rufus was only Rufus only two eighteen. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. That's what it says. Wow. I don't know, man. Hey, if you got a problem with it, uh, you know, call Wikipedia. Man, I don't I'm know. Embarrassed. I just right, write it down us, over here. You threw us with the All Pro because he was a special team All Pro. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, he was, tricky. He was tricky. He was okay. a, hey, we're gonna go a linebacker All Pro. The, fa- Dick, right. the fact that you knew that and brought that up that makes us two to two. This is the final <laughs> one. Man. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Final question. Here we go. <laughs> Winner take all. Ready? This is all your right. final player. This player was born June 2nd, 1954 in Louisville, Kentucky. Six foot two, 195 pounds, attended Trinity High School in Louisville and then played tight end in a wishbone offense at Georgia Tech. Was drafted by the Seahawks in round two. Pick number 59 overall. Played wide receiver for the Seahawks for six seasons under head coach Jack Patera. Finished his career with 68 receptions. Stop. One. Yes. I'm going to Steve Rabel. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Unbelievable. Wow. Dave's never going to forgive me for this one. Oh, you know what? I love I can't officially take the win. I mean, Lofa was very generous even to give us a fifth question. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll call it a push. <laughs> That's pretty good, though, man. 68 receptions, 1,017 yards receiving, and only three touchdowns in his career after being a second-round draft pick. But I think we can all agree, uh, speaking of those legendary broadcasters like we did earlier, the guy's a yeah. legend, and you can now find him in the broadcast booth for every Seahawks game, holy catfish, and all of that good stuff. Um, How do you go from wishbone tight end? To wide receiver in the NFL. That's I what know, I need. Mean. We got to ask him. <laughs> Second round draft pick too. And that was the yeah. inaugural, uh, the, the the first draft for the Seahawks when they were an expansion franchise. Who knew? Well Steve played, Rabel. Dick. Well played. Thanks, man. Hey, Dick, thanks for jumping on with us, man. Thanks for being generous with your time. We really appreciate it. You know, like I said, I've been a fan of you guys and, and KJR for a really long time. And, um, you know, in getting our own show started and everything, it's really nice for you guys to come on our show. And we really appreciate it. Not a problem. Hey, you uh, best of luck with the show. And uh, I'm sure we'll be on again. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Dick. Take care. You bet. Well, that's it for the Seahawks podcast today. I'm Brett Davern. That's Lofa Tatupu. He was Dick Fain. You can catch him on KJR 950 up in Seattle with his partner, Softy, every weekday from 3 to 7. Lofa, I'm sorry you didn't win. Stop me when you know it. Um, you're 0-1, but, you know, next time, I mean, I, I don't know. We're, we're looking for redemption or something. Yeah, well, there will be a rematch. Please believe it. <laughs> Break us down. No, not going to do it. <laughs> no? Just a flat no this time? <laughs> All right. Go Hawks on three. No, I don't want no. I don't <laughs> you want sound no, so upset do, about it. I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want any delay there. All One, right. One, two, three, go Hawks. Okay. It's almost like three and go Hawks or one word. One, two, three, go Hawks. All right. All right. All right. I'll do my best. No. I'll do my no, best. Unacceptable. I need you to be perfect. All right. right now. All right. I'll do your best. Okay. That, okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> all right. Go Hawks on three. One, two, three, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Did you, you didn't even talk, did you? Oh my God. I did say uh, unbelievable. it. Unbelievable. I did it at the exact same time. I was excited about that rep. I thought it was going to be the one. I don't...
Mm. It didn't sound like you believed in me, though, to be honest. I, I B-L-E-A-V in you. <laughs> we needed uh, to start getting people to say our call letters. That way, That's a good point. You know, yeah, we you should. Know? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.